Hello and welcome to the podcast of TechEU. I am your host, Andrei Degeler. In today's episode, I would like you to listen to an interview with Christian Viens, the co-founder and CEO of the insurtech company called GetSafe. And this is a very timely one because the company has just, and I mean just a few minutes ago, announced an extra 63 million US dollars in funding, which is an expansion of a Series B round, and the full round is now 93 million dollars. So I took this opportunity to talk about this new capital injection and also just get to know GetSafe as a company and ask for Christian's perspective of the landscape of insurtech companies across Europe. Yeah, my name is Christian Wiens, and I'm the CEO and one of the co-founders of GetSafe, which is a digital insurance company working completely on the smartphone without any paper and mainly targeted to, towards millennials that buy insurance for the first time in their life. Right. And let's talk about uh, you personally as tiny bit. So do you actually have a background in insurance business? So why, why, how did you come to uh, found GetSafe? Yeah, not, not at all. Uh, I'm a mechanical engineer. I, I, wanted to, I wanted to build cars when I studied. I would say insurance is either complex, but it, I really stumbled across insurance on, on a personal experience where I had no idea what I needed, but I broke something. And hmm. then I found out that my parents didn't have insurance for me either because Ouch. family coverage kind of yeah ceased. And so that's, uh, that's where I, how I came across a, a insurance in an unlucky situation. And I found that for, for young people, kind of access to all kinds of financial services, but mainly also insurance is annoying. And you won't go to a broker if you do anything on your mobile device like banking and, and so, and, and booking any travel. And so I think for me, that was the, the idea. If we build an insurance solution, it should be built in a way that we or millennials don't at, end up like my parents that have kind of 10 folders full of paper with insurance they don't even know about. Right. So how is the, how is the product different? So what is it exactly that you are disrupting and how is it different uh, from the customer point of view? It's very different. And uh, it's a good question also because I think that if you buy something online that you can order and feel and smell and taste, kind of it's it's easier to understand the difference. In insurance, the, the good and bad thing about insurance is that it's a product that kind of you have for the rest of your life, essentially. So people that join us today and buy a renter's insurance with us, they normally stay our customers for the next 40 years or so. And uh, insurance becomes interesting along this way, right? It's like a companion that is there. You maybe need it, maybe not. But what you definitely need to do is to adopt it to your life a little bit. Let's see, you will live alone and then you move in with somebody together and then you buy your, your apartment on your own. And, and so that's all connected to the insurance situation that you need to adopt and changing your address, uh, adding somebody to the coverage or so. And all these, these things in, in the old world, uh, first of all, many times don't even happen because people don't have the, the accessibility to it easily. That's bad because the insurance coverage is not the right one at that point. Yeah, and, and the other point is if you want to do it, it's, it's complicated. If I want to change my address with my traditional insurance company, I need to send an email if they're good. And I get back an email that they're working on it. And four weeks later, I get a paper mail that they receive the email, kind of like this, right? And I need to pick up the phone and stay in the waiting line. I think for us in the app, um, what we can do, because we we kind of build GetSafe on a digital surface that is completely new, everything is happening in real time. 
in all processes, being it you adding your partner to the policy or your dog or changing address um, or buying an additional policy happens all in real time with a tap uh, on your phone. And that makes it over the lifetime much easier. But we also think that people get the much better coverage that is right for them. Right. And uh, when did you uh, when did you start to uh, get safe? What year was that? 2015. So 2016. it has been a while right. and it will be a while. And you mentioned renter's insurance. Was it your first product? Exactly. Renter's insurance that includes things like liability insurance, which is big in, in Germany. Um, and then we, we kind of um, jumped into car insurance end of last mm -hmm. year, a second big product line. But we, will, we won't stop there, right? So we believe that we will be something like the Allianz of, of the digital era. Mm -hmm. Means that we will have a multi-line offering that will cover all parts of your life from your home and, and living situation to mobility and, and travel, but also to family and, and life and income protection. Uh, and so it will, will, will cover the whole span. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and this is uh, why you have just raised uh, an extra $63 million uh, just to expand. What, what, what else do you need the money for? Yeah, I mean, essentially it was was kind of around uh, a total round that started end of last year with with a reinsurance company entering mm -hmm. uh, as a new shareholder with Re, and um, it was a re reinsure because uh, the main reason of this the race for for for, for this round uh, was that we are becoming a full stack carrier, so we're getting our own license from the German authorities uh, and regulator. Uh, essentially, that requires a lot of capital also now we expanded it with these 63 so in total it's it's a 90 plus million round which was also necessary right for the regulator to to let us do what we want to do and uh, and that's the first reason right we will fund our own full stack insurance license that we can use and that's great across europe that's a big benefit of insurtex mm -hmm. in europe versus us because in california and texas you need separate licenses it's really complicated there. And the second reason, of course, is that we will go on growing our product portfolio. And then, of course, the customer base, not only in Germany and the UK, where we are today, but also mm -hmm. in other uh, EU markets by using this license that we have. I'm a total outsider to the insurance industry, but why do you need so much money to get, uh, to get that license? Actually, it's it's good for you as a customer, right? So the the regulator wants to protect wants to protect customers and wants to make sure that the insurance companies or providers have enough equity plus decent or sufficient reinsurance agreement and everything for for bigger bigger claims to be covered, um, just to protect customers so that the insurance company can always make sure in any situation they can pay for the claim. So it's a good thing. Mm -hmm. And not the whole money that we're raising goes, let's say, into the license, um, but a part really goes into the license and is mm -hmm. actually kind of ring-fenced. You can't touch it. But mm -hmm. the regulator also wants, of course, the whole group, let's say, the whole startup to be sufficiently uh, yeah, financed. Um, and, and that's why it's important. And it's better and makes it also easier to get these licenses if you have more capital. Right. And just to say it in plain English, when you say about when you talk about reinsurance, you mean basically insuring the insurer. Exactly. It's the insurance of the insurer. Uh, because if, let's say, we have a fire in a huge building and that goes in the tens of millions of, of euros, um, that's something, of course, we 
not always planned for, and then the kind of the, the reinsurance kicks in and covers mm -hmm. us for these bigger uh, bigger losses. Right, right. So uh, you don't have this license now. So uh, how how do you operate then at the moment? Yeah, essentially. We, we already do everything, right? Not so much yeah. is changing also on the customer-facing side. Um, what happens is that we partner with other in traditional insurance carriers, uh, also reinsurers that have own companies that do that kind of uh, mm -hmm. services that provide us the license. It's kind of a wide-label license that we can use to build our product proposition up on. What's changing now is that we are really actually taking the risks on our books, as you would say, in the insurance jargon. So we're really, really fully responsible for the profits and the losses and all the risks that we, we acquire. Before that was kind of partly handled, that part of the value chain was handled by the insurance company, but still the payments, claims, the product development, the customer service was done on our end and will be done on our end with more flexibility, to be honest, because I make one example Traditional insurance companies or actuaries, kind of the mathematicians that calculate the insurance, they have mm -hmm. data sets that are decades old, right? And like for you and your rental insurance, they want to have your address, where you live, and your age. And that's pretty much it. That's what they mm -hmm. base your price on. We, with, with our mobile app, see a lot of customer engagement. So we see you behaving in the app and engaging with chatbots at night or during day with an Android phone, an iPhone, a lot of behavioral data. And we see that these data have much more, at least the same influence than your address or your name or, or where you come from, right? And a traditional actuary won't, at least is, is really reluctant on using these new kinds of data because they don't know them. So, and with the license, we can start really to leverage these new proprietary data and change the way how insurance companies think about customers, I think in a way more anonymous, but more accurate way also. To be honest, this doesn't sound very privacy-friendly. So you mean that your app basically collects a lot of uh, behavioral data uh, from uh, the customer's smartphone. Can they opt out of it then? Yeah, it's interesting that you ask this because for me, it's, it's much less kind of, of a privacy concern because today the insurance company is really asking you, how tall are you? Like the health insurance or life insurance, how tall are you? What diseases did you have, etc.? If you can kind of out of let's say, anonymous behavior data only because somebody shows a pattern in user behavior in the app, they use it at night or are faster, or slower, whatever, uh, can kind of have the same conclusions. I think that's even, it's faster for the customer and it's it's even less, let's say, risk of discrimination, in, in my opinion. Uh, it's more technical, uh, yes. Uh, it feels maybe let, less personal, but people can't opt out and, it's only normal things that every app essentially is 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 tracking, right? Uh, how you when you open the app and these things are nothing uh, are nothing that any other app isn't tracking. So we're not asking for special permissions to access any sensors or so. Okay, okay, I, I see, I see what you mean. And uh, from a pure technical perspective, just uh, before I forget, uh, this is uh, technically an extension of your B round, serious B round, and uh, but that happened like uh, in December 2020. So how was it? Uh, why why did you decide to do it like this? Why not just call it a new round? Because almost a year has passed. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, of course, my, the, the announcements of, of the rounds and the dates of raising the rounds are not always exactly the same. But it's a, it's a fair question. So as I mentioned, we started the race of this Series B round with the idea to get licensed uh, as, a, as a carrier. And that's why the reintro came, came in. And also in the press, you can see that we announced that we will extend it. 
Now, the problem was not so much on the fundraising side because the markets were, were I think, really, really interested. But the problem was uh, on the regulator side. And there was, maybe you've heard about it, a big Wirecard scandal in, 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 in Germany. And that made the authorities really cautious on issuing new licenses to new fintech uh -huh. players. And uh, so it took much longer. But we also kind of needed this extra capital when the license is ready. And now this is this is the time. So at the end of the day, we kind of tried to time it a little bit. But this is the, the round we wanted to raise and needed to raise to get the license. And that's why I think as a startup in phases, right? There's phase one. Uh, there's phase two where you start building a product first revenues and for us this is kind of the end of phase two where we are changing from being not a carrier to being a real carrier um, and so for us it makes a lot of sense to aggregate it because it was both kind of tranches were raised for this purpose it took longer because the regulation process was not a nightmare i would say but it was much tougher than it maybe w was three years ago so what's your timeline for the license now Yeah, this year, but I think in the next few weeks we'll we'll get mm -hmm. it. We we'll get the grant. Yeah. Oh, this is great. Uh, so going back, uh, going back to the app uh, itself. So I don't know how things are for the traditional insurers in uh, Germany, but for example, here in the Netherlands, I have uh, my insurance company. Well one of them. Uh, uh, it's an old company, like an old big one, but it's still, it, it has an app. I can, uh, I can feel, I can file my claim in the app. I do, I can do a lot of stuff in the app. So don't you think that at some point you will just lose uh, this sort of advantage of being this uh, nice uh, app-based digital insurance company because everyone will be just like this? On the, on the surface, you're, you're totally right, right? You can have an app as an insurance company. The question is more, is your front end connected to your back end? I think that's a very important question because I know a lot of insurance companies that have a website and an app, but the connection to the back end that they have is very loose. So you can see your policy maybe. Uh, you can also file a claim with this kind of a more general uh, customer service ticket that is generated. But is it really, for us, we have an Amazon-like feature where you can track the status of your, of your claim, right? As your delivery of your package. You can change your your policy details in real time. You can add your your partner to the policy. Indeed, you can do much more. And the problem is, it's not that others don't want to offer this. They can't because they the backend is working on systems that are very very old and and very manual. And still, you can have this nice surface, but it's it's superficial. And and the second reason I think is, and that's very important, is that these old traditional insurance companies have millions of customers and the average of these customers is a bit older and they don't want to engage with their insurance company through an app so you have the, your big problem that you have millions of people requesting one kind of service with brokers and agents whatever a few portion of people that maybe do it in that way and you're a little bit stuck in a dilemma to change your your system uh, completely and of course in terms of percentage of your customers, the adoption rate of these new services um, is much, much lower. For us, the 250K customers we have are all using the app because they kind of need to because we are mobile only. And, and this, all I'm saying this because you need a lot of adoption rate to start really collecting new kinds of insights in insurance um, and data and to see how 
can insurance change based on on on, on a new world, right? That is uh, working differently, where people do a lot on their smartphone, where everything is connected, maybe also in your home, in your car. And I think this is the foundation for changing the, the basics of insurance, is having a new kind of customer engagement that generates new data and behaviors. Uh, and then you can build upon it. If you don't collect these data and, and you don't have the engagement, and that is also with other startups that do insurance, I, I see a problem that's in the long term to make a real change. Yeah, yeah, I get it. So since you mentioned the startups, uh, other startups uh, in the insurtech space, uh, we can we can uh, move on to my last question, but like the most broad one, I think. So what is your general take on the landscape of digital insurance in Europe and Germany in particular, if you will? Uh, what's uh, what's going on? What are the main trends? Uh, what do you do? You see more players? Do you see fewer players uh, uh, popping up uh, these these days? What's happening? Yeah, it's it's interesting because there was waves, I would say, of, of insurtechs. Um, so I think there was a wave uh, when we started uh, our company that was definitely bigger than than today. And still some players are around. I think the players that are still around are, um, are, are the bigger ones. Um, a few names are maybe a competitor of ours. It is, that is Lemonade from, from the US. We have WeFox in, uh, from, from Germany, very different model, but still think came from that era um, and and it's big now and, and still around. Um, now we see much more niche players uh, popping up uh, that are really going in a more specific niche, like covering, doing enterprise insurance or SME coverage uh, or specific health insurance or something. But it's, I would say, the problem of insurance is that the entry barrier for a small team, let's say of two engineers or something, to start insurance with all the regulation that you have and the and the, uh, the long-term nature of the product, which is great. We are excited about it, but for some people, it could feel annoying because growth in insurance always happens, but it happens over time naturally because people people's homes get bigger, people's cars get bigger or more, people's salaries get higher, and so you have a natural dynamic in the revenue of, of an insurance customer, but it takes time. And it's also hard sometimes to convince investors in a world where, let's say, last mile grocery delivery is hyped, uh, where, where everything is super fast in terms of growth. So that's why I think the entry barrier is pretty high. And um, and I don't see, I see less teams, to be honest, starting an insurance endeavor. Right, right. And how about your own team? How big is your team now? It's uh, it's growing a little bit in many places and different than than before. So we are 150 people, uh, many new joiners split in Heidelberg, Germany, which is kind of an unusual startup location. It's <laughs> the the city of SAP, but also uh -huh. of a beautiful old university and so. And we have a London office. We are having a small team in Berlin, and and it's growing quickly but not in the sizes of the insurance world because the insurance world are huge corporations because they have so mm -hmm. much sales agents. That's that's the <laughs> point. And, and for us, this part is really automated and done by technology. So it's still, for the customers that we serve, we're still a small team. Right. And uh, how many customers do you have? Uh, 250,000 now. So 250, majority in Germany, but UK is growing really well. Right. So what do you think would be the next countries you would enter? Uh, yeah, we have, uh, from a technical perspective, uh, we have a big advantage because it's like Airbnb, right? Works the same everywhere in the world. So for us, it's also the back end is the same, the front end is the same. You need some localization of the insurance product. 
And we're looking at uh, France, uh, Spain, Italy, also Austria, Netherlands, more, let's say, as, as, as a bit smaller uh, satellites. And uh, the UK is a lot, lot of work to do, um, but we will dig into these countries uh, within next year and then take it take it from there and we wanted to wait for this license to be granted because that is the foundation to then easily from a regulatory perspective go into these markets understood now that was it for my questions uh christian thanks a lot for uh, joining today thanks a lot for taking the time congratulations on uh, the new funding and uh, good luck with everything that you're doing on get safe uh, i live in the netherlands so i will be looking forward to uh, seeing you coming to the market we're trying to get there soon. Thanks for having me. And this is it for today's episode. Big thanks to Christian for joining and very big thanks to you for listening. If you like our show, follow us today wherever you listen to your podcast. And if that place has a possibility to rate and review the show, please do that as well. Our audio engineering is run by SoundPulse, that is sound-pulse.com. Your questions, suggestions, and opinions are very, very welcome. Send them all to podcast at tech.eu. This was TechEU Podcast. I am Andre Daigler, and I will talk to you again very soon. For now, take care and enjoy the rest of your week. Bye-bye.